Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Let's just have some fun. It's Father's Day and I'm wearing shorts and I'm excited about it. It's the most freeing feeling I've had in a long time on Sunday. I asked Megan if I could go shirtless because that would be even more comfortable, but she said no. So I guess you're welcome. My wife's awesome. But hey, listen, we want to jump into this series that we have. Before we do that, man, I'm excited about a a couple of things that are happening at the Movement Church. And you may not know about it uh, unless you actually uh, were under the surface of things, but we, we work... 10% of every dollar that comes into the Movement Church goes right back out. We're aggressive. Actually, we do about 13% back out. We uh, work internationally in Africa. We we work with an amazing church planting organization called ARC, and some of the representatives are here today. With the Older King family, just rave your hand. Would y'all give it up for these Older King family right here? They all love hugs and lots of conversations, so afterwards make sure all of you hug them, but they're amazing friends and have been a big part of our journey, but we also work locally with different organizations to make sure that we're doing the Great Commission and what the Word says is true religion, to take care of the orphans, the widows, the homeless, and the forgotten, and so one of the organizations we work with is called South County Outreach, and they're a food bank, but also a homeless rehabilitation facility, and so we help financially so that they are able to maintain business and and help the people here in Orange County, but we also just had this opportunity to adopt one of their homes that they have for homeless families that are coming out of homelessness. So what we get to do is, as needed, we get to actually go in and paint and do carpet cleaning in the house to prepare for new families, and we do this welcome basket of epic proportion. And you don't even know, I think they have some pictures. We had some ladies go out and just buy everything they could buy. Of course, they went to Walmart, because when you need to buy a lot of stuff, you go to Walmart. But you put on a hazmat suit before you walk in. And then, but they just went shopping, went like crazy on it. And we were able to give a family who's working through coming out of homelessness and getting back on track with their life. And we were able to help bless them with some amazing goodies. And, and this was like a, a welcome basket. It, it was massive. So... It's a pretty awesome deal. So would you do me a favor? Would you just give yourself a hand for being an awesome church? Listen, that's a pretty cool deal. You didn't even see it. You didn't even see it, but, man, it's something that you're a part of. Hey, y'all do me a favor. Y'all go ahead and turn the lights on. I like to see faces, and I can't see them yet. So get ready. It's about to be blinding. Be blinded by the light. There it is. Oh, you look beautiful today. You absolutely look beautiful. Uh, in, in the same vein, one thing I'm excited about is something that we do every year. Every year we do this in, in actual correlation with the organization called ARC and hundreds of churches all around the nation. Last year there was a little under 500 churches. I believe there may have been more that were part of this. And we call this Serve OC, Serve Orange County. And it's a Saturday. We come together. We're going to meet here at the school and then disperse and go all around the county 
doing all kinds of service activity with all kinds of people. Last year, we were able to fix up a school, and we had families that went down to Camp Pendleton. It was awesome, and uh, we did. We have people that bake goodies and went to every fire station that we could possibly go to. All the single ladies loved that outreach. That was their favorite one, and we went to uh, all the first responders we could get to. We just did everything we could to make a difference in our community, and this is coming up again on July 15th. 15th, yes. So you can text the word SERVOC to the number on the screen for all the details and sign up. We're going to do some stuff here. We're going to help clean up this facility and a few other schools, so it's going to be awesome. On a Saturday, it'll be about a four-hour journey. You get a t-shirt in the process, and we get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, so it's going to be awesome. Make sure you do that. Does that sound good? Are you guys super stoked right now? It's because I'm wearing shorts, isn't it? All right, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Well, listen, we're diving back into this series. We're on part five of a six-part series called Gear Up. Everybody say, Gear Up. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Gear Up. And this is a series unpacking Ephesians where the writer Paul tells us how to prepare for spiritual battles. And we get this because we are always fighting battles. If we get sick in our body, our body begins to go into overdrive to physically fight the battle of infirmity. If we're struggling through rejection or fear or loss, we're fighting emotional battles. Well, guys, I want to tell you there's a spiritual battle that we fight as well. As much as there's a real God in heaven who loves you and has called you, there's also a real devil in hell. The Bible says that he's out to destroy our lives. And if we ignore If we ignore the spiritual reality behind the physical battles that we fight, it's like we open up the front door and roll out the welcome mat to the enemy to run rampant in our lives. Now, there's two kinds of people in this room. Probably, there there might be those of you that would, the pendulum would swing so far this direction that you maybe over-mystify and and you see Satan in everything, your flat tire, your frosted flakes, your husband, or whatever it is. And then there's also that other side of the pendulum of people who kind of think he's that little cute, you know, guy in red spandex with a, a pitchfork that sits on your shoulder, and neither of those are, are reflections of reality, but what we do know is the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy our lives. So Paul said, hey, let me teach you how to fight this battle. He put it in the Word. It's what we read in the Bible. I wanted to start this scripture off. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. I want to point your attention to three specific words. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Look at this next verse. It says, put on the, what's that word? Whole armor of God that you may be able to, what's that word? Stand against the what? Schemes of the devil. Stand against the schemes of the devil. The key is that Paul said you can't just take pieces of the armor of God. He uses the metaphor of a Roman soldier's uniform. He said, you need the whole armor of God. And we've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace. My friend last week, Pastor Josh Chavez, killed it, preached about the shield of faith. He said, you need the whole armor of God. Why? So you can stand. Not charge the gates of hell, but just stand. The greatest thing we can do as believers is just stand. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. If you're here today and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you say, I'm a Christ follower, the greatest thing you can do is just stand. Don't quit. Don't give up. And he says we need to stand against the schemes of the enemy, which means that the enemy has a playbook on your life and mine. He knows your greatest fear. He knows your greatest weakness. He knows your strengths. 
He knows who you shouldn't be hanging around. He knows who you should be. He knows everything. And so if he's got the playbook on our life, then we've got to be smart when we fight this battle. And that's what Paul outlines for you and for me. So let's dive in to part five as we talk today about the helmet of salvation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? Just to get this thing started off right. And here's all I'd ask if your head's bowed and eyes closed is that I just ask that you open your hearts and your ears just to hear and receive whatever God wants to do. God, we come before you. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you care about us. We thank you that you know our greatest need. You know our greatest challenge. But you also know our greatest successes and you know our strengths. And so today, God, we just set aside everything. We set aside the holiday, the past week, the past month, the past year. And today we just sit and we open our hearts and our ears to you just to hear and receive. Today, God, we give you permission to rearrange the furniture of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Paul goes on in the scripture just a few verses later, and he actually literally unpacks the different components of the armor. So in Ephesians 6, verse 14, he says this, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. And this is that our life is formed or founded on the truth of God's word. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which means I walk in the righteousness that Jesus gave me. There's nothing I can do to earn that. There's nothing I can do to receive that other than just say, God, I'm ready. I'm here. You do what you want to do. And then he says, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. In verse 17, it says this, and take up the helmet of salvation. Everybody say, helmet of salvation. Now, often we reduce salvation only to what affects a person's eternal destiny. Now, again, if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, listen, permission to belong before you believe. But often we equate salvation to someone's eternal destiny. In other words, when I say yes to Jesus, I now have a passageway. I no longer have to fear what happens when we hit death. Because, listen, at the end of our life, we're going in one of two directions. We're either headed towards hell for an eternity or towards heaven. And at salvation, at that moment, it's the doors are open so that we know, okay, when that day comes, I'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. But salvation doesn't just stop there. That brings great hope, but that's not all. There are amazing future benefits in addition to that. But listen, we have to apply it to our everyday life. I love what one amazing spiritual teacher, communicator, and author says. Priscilla Schreier, she says this. Look at this. Receiving salvation is not the same as applying it. The first redeems us. The second restores, protects, and shields us from the enemy's attack. I love what the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, for while we were enemies with, we were reconciled, sorry about that, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Listen to the words of that. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. In other words, in the darkest moments of our life, when we are at our worst, Jesus paid the cost for our sin. We are now reconciled to him. He paid the penalty of every poor choice that all of humanity has ever 
made in our darkest moments when it would have been like an enemy to God, God still said, nope, I'm still choosing you. I still love you. And the verse goes on to say this, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Notice here the present tense, much more now. God still wants to do an amazing work. Now, I have a 13-year-old daughter. She's an amazing kid. She's not here in this service, so I'm going to talk bad. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to talk about it. 13 years old, and we've done everything we know to raise her right. She's a great kid. She's not a perfect kid. She's a great kid. But we're fast approaching the day when she's going to realize, I actually can do what I want to do, regardless of what my parents tell me, regardless of where I go to church. And there may very well come a day when my 13-year-old daughter hits the age of 17, 18, 19, 20, and she decides, I'm going to do what I want regardless of what is right or what is wrong. Just a show of hands, anyone ever done that before? Thank you to the honest people. The rest of you are lying right now. And in that day, if you can imagine the worst possible thing, and maybe tied to that would be the attitude of dad, mom, I don't care about you, I don't love you, I don't want to be in your home, I'm out. Deuces. If she were to leave and pursue with everything in her the worst, most viable, vile, horrible thing in the world, look at me, I would still love her. I would still love her with everything in me. Now, it might be challenging to love her, but I would still love her. And get this, I would still want amazing things for her. Not, no, now that you made poor choices, I hope all hell breaks loose and your life sucks and nothing is ever good. It's Father's Day, I can say that. I would want great things for her. Now, then imagine if years passed, she comes back and says, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? I want to come back home. You know what I'd do? Man, we've been waiting. Come on in. Now imagine in that moment how much more I would still want great things for her. Not just in the moments when she's in the darkest portion of her life. Now she's reconciled. And I want great things for her. It didn't end just because she said, I'm sorry, I want to come home. It's actually only the beginning. And that is salvation for you and for me. It's not just an escape plan. It's the fact that God wants to do a continual work in our minds, in our lives. And that's why Paul said, put on the helmet of salvation. Now, for a Roman soldier, their helmet was a skull cap that actually came down and protected everything from the, the chest and shoulders up. Literally, there's only openings for their eyes, their nose, their mouth, and a little bit for their ear so they could actually breathe and see and speak. And the purpose behind this skull cap was to protect them from the swing of what was called a broadsword. This large sword that they would just swing without any kind of idea or just swing it so hard to try to hit anything in their path. And so they wore the helmet because if their head was hit by the broadsword, then they would be incapacitated within seconds. Done. 
So can you imagine a soldier going into battle and choosing not to wear the helmet? So you understand the role that your brain plays in your everyday function of your body, right? What the brain is to the body, the mind is to the soul. That's really good. Wow. Wow. On Father's Day, Pastor Terry. Wow. Hashtag, take a picture and tweet it. What the brain is to the body, the mind is to the soul. Listen, if the mind isn't sending out healthy impulses, then my soul won't respond in healthy ways. Wow, Pastor Kerry. <laughs> and that's why, listen to me, that's why the enemy is after our mind. He's after our mind. So look at me for a minute. Why would anyone who says I'm a follower of Christ want to leave their mind exposed? Why would we want to walk through life? Listen, this is an option, right? Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, which means we're not born with it, which means it doesn't come at the moment of praying a prayer. It means that we choose to put on the armor. So aren't you grateful for the word? Listen, here's the thing we know, that in everything, every season that we face, God's word always has a solution for us. It always has an answer for us. And in the next passage of scripture, it shows us exactly how to put on the helmet of salvation. Can we read that together today? Is that all right? You don't have an option. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at this. Chapter 10 verse 4, it says this. Since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. So Paul's saying here again, he's saying, listen, the weapons that we are fighting are not real swords and shields. There's a spiritual implication here. But they're beneficial to tear down strongholds. So right here, Paul is preparing us for battle. He's writing, he's saying, listen, get ready. We're about to go into war. We're fighting spiritual battles every day. And we're doing this to tear down strongholds. And he goes on to say, we demolish arguments. And every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. So Paul is kind of amping you up. In my mind, this is like William Wallace on the battlefield, blue paint on the face. Any Braveheart fans? All right, next, next week we're going to watch that movie. Well, we can't, not in church. But listen, this is William Wallace on the battlefield, and he's riding his horse. They may take our lives, but they never take our freedom, right? And he's like getting us prepared. Y'all feel excited right now? Man, if only I was wearing a kilt, this would be the best Father's Day ever. He's getting us amped up, and he's saying, hey, listen, the weapons of our warfare aren't something that we hold. We're fighting a spiritual battle, which means it's something we don't see, but we feel it. We know it. We know what it's like to be up against something and go, man, I don't understand. Why does it feel like the whole world is coming after me? We can identify, and Paul's saying, come on, we're fighting a battle, don't give up. But listen, it doesn't look like a normal battle. Hey, he's not saying that we're facing criminals, this isn't ISIS, this isn't financial crisis, this isn't children who have gone crazy, parents who are acting foolish, this isn't the loss of a loved one. He's painting a picture of what battle is, and we're amped up on the fighting line of this battlefield, and I'm thinking, what is it that we're fighting against, Paul? He goes on, he says, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that raised up against the knowledge of God, look at this, taking captive every thought to obey Christ. 
So there's this build-up to what the battlefield is. But the battlefield is right here. Right here. And you get that. Because you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and feel discouraged before anything has happened in your day. You know what it's like to wake up at 2 a.m. with a checklist that's giving you anxiety and you're trying to figure out how am I going to, anybody else do that? 2 a.m. and before your eyes are open, you have a checklist of like 40 items. Anyone else in here? Pray for us. We need it. We know what it's like to be bound and crippled by fear. Where fear literally paralyzes us from doing the things that we're either called to do or want to do or believe we can do. And where is fear? Right here. Where is doubt? Right here. So we understand the idea of the battlefield that rages and wages in our mind. Hence, Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. So how do we do that? How do we put on the helmet of salvation? I'm going to give you three things. If you're taking notes, this is the perfect time to take notes. If you like, you can text the word notes to the number that may or may not be on the screen, and you should have that saved in your phone if you've been here for more than a week. We use it 15 times a Sunday. There's three more coming today, so just get ready. So here's three things that we can do to put on the helmet of salvation. And can I just encourage you, this isn't something that you just do once and it works for the rest of your life. This is a journey. So step one, we've got to identify. Identify what are the toxic thought patterns that I've been nursing in my mind. And I chose that word specifically because what we do is we nurse and rehearse. We nurse and we rehearse it. We nurse it and we rehearse it. In other words, we just let that thought just hang. And here's some things that I've thought through that many of us may or may not deal with. We've got to identify first what it is. I think some of us think through the thought filter of I'm unloved. Maybe for Father's Day, this isn't a celebration for you. Maybe the, the men in your life were not amazing. So you don't want to hear people say Happy Father's Day because you didn't have an experience like that. Because growing up, you may not have felt loved. Or maybe the other thought is I'm unworthy. I know people have that thought all the time coming into church. I just don't know if I, I need to get cleaned up, fixed up right before I come into church. Maybe, maybe it's another thought, I'm incapable, or I'm undesirable, or unforgivable. For me, this is a challenge at times. And I look back through the history of my life, and I see the stories of just poor choices. Sometimes I just go, God, can you really forgive everything? I get that with other people, but I'm, I'm still good at, at struggling with this. Often I feel unforgivable. Maybe it's unknown. Like I'm overlooked, overshadowed, nobody sees me. Maybe it's insignificant. Or another one that I struggle with, I've shared this with you before, is I'm just not good enough. So if we're going to put on the helmet of salvation, the first step we have to take is identify what are the thoughts that I am nursing and rehearsing. If I don't identify that, then I'll miss it. And can I just tell you, these aren't God's thoughts for you. Listen to this. He literally is incapable of those thoughts towards you. 
He literally, he, he literally cannot think that way towards you. It's not in his nature. In order for him to think that way, I'm going to just kind of go old school theology for a minute. In order for him to think that way about you specifically, he would have to reverse the work that's called the finished work of the cross. And it's impossible. It's called the finished work of the cross because when Jesus died, his last words were, it is finished. And it wasn't in reference to his death. It's in reference to the price paid for your sin and mine. Are you tracking with me today? And God cannot reverse that. He literally, there's nothing he can do to reverse that. Well, I thought God can do anything. No, God can't lie. The moment he speaks, it's truth. Well, can God build a rock so big that he can't move it? I don't know. But he can't reverse the finished work of the cross. Are you all tracking with me? Some of you need to know that because you are plagued, like a plague, with these thoughts on a daily basis. And that's not from God. Step one. I can't remember what it was. Identify. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> I don't have this memorized. My notes are literally right here on this TV. You guys just think I'm awesome. I'm not. Jessica back there is awesome. <laughs> Step two. Am I allowed to give secrets away? I don't know. It is. Welcome to the movement church. Step two. Confess. Confess. I'm not talking about just confess sin here. Listen, if, if we're nursing these thoughts, then I've built a home in my mind for these thoughts to resonate. So what I've done is I've built a stronghold. Remember the scripture we read before says to tear down strongholds? I've built up a stronghold in my mind. And this isn't the enemy's fault. It's ours. Now here's what the enemy does. The enemy plants seeds. Remember that time you did that? You're a failure. Remember that time when you said you were going to do this but you didn't? You're a failure. So he'll plant those seeds, but then we take that thought and we decide what we do with it. So the one step we need to take is confess, you know, God, I, I've been nursing the wrong thoughts about myself. And I want to make an adjustment. Every time I nurse and rehearse the thoughts, I add another brick to the stronghold that literally holds me captive. And we know what that feels like. Step three, everybody say step three. Step three, dismantle. Everybody say dismantle. I love how the passage says this, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Take the thought captive. In other words, we remove permission for that thought to resonate in our mind. It means I renew my perspective through the belt of truth, God's word. This makes sense how all this cooks together. I renew my thoughts through the truth of God's word. Taking captive my thoughts, by the way, is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. A few years back, it's been a little, little under 10 years ago, Megan and I decided to make some major lifestyle choices. We were pastors, and she was smoking copious amounts of pot. And I was like, no, just making sure you're still with me. She, it wasn't pot. It was heroin. So we're, No, I'm kidding. So listen. We were literally in this new season of our life where we had just moved from Texas where they eat lots of food and unhealthy food, processed food. Can I get an amen for some, you know, you guys remember American cheese and white bread? None of that, there's not any food product in there. Some of y'all are excited. You're going to have American cheese bologna sandwich today. 
And we watched this show, this movie called Food, Inc. Has anybody else seen that? If you haven't seen it, <laughs> you just get ready. If you watch, it's going to change your life. And, uh, and we watched this, and we realized, man, we were eating garbage. Not just, not just the, 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 like, whether it's vegetables and fruits. We're, the, the quality of the food that we're eating is not healthy for us. So we started to make some changes. So what we didn't do is just remove the food we were eating, obviously. We didn't just rem- you can still gain weight on organic food, by the way. That was a lie. I thought, no, not going to happen. But, yep, you can. So we, we didn't just remove the food that was unhealthy. We replaced it with whole, nutritious food. Are you tracking with me? So if, if, if we're struggling with our thought pattern, we can't just take captive the thought and let it be. We have to replace it. And the word says that we renew our mind through the word of God. We renew it with the truth of God's word. Let me just give you an example. I don't have time today to go into every extent of this. In fact, we've, we've made this easy for you as a church. We, we've created a place where you can actually read the word of God, know how to read it, and journal through it on our website. Or you can text the word read to the number that you now have saved in your phone. So we, re- we renew that. So listen, if you have feelings of being unworthy, look at what John 3, 16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That, what's that word? Whoever. Not just the ones who are really good at church. Whoever. Not you. I feel unworthy. I take that thought captive and I rehearse the word of God in my life. Maybe you feel incapable. Like you just don't know if you can actually do it. Philippians 4.13. If you don't have this one memorized, you need it memorized. I can do all things. Everything. Through Christ who gives me strength. We're in the Spartan race with a few friends a few months back. Some of them are here today. We survived. It was a really short Spartan race. It was only a block. No, I'm kidding. It was like five miles. And there's a lot. I don't know if you know about this. There's obstacles and death everywhere. <laughs> it's like, you know what you should do? You should pay a lot of money. We're going to try to murder you while you run five miles. It's like, it's like the Hunger Games. And people get jacked about it. Like there was, you know, it was just 15 million people there. It was nuts. And I loved it. Like the last thing you do, you jump over a pit of fire. After running five miles and trying to be murdered by people. And so one of the guys that was running with us is Brent Hurt, who is like the cheerleader of cheerleaders for everybody. And we were hitting obstacles. The first obstacles are easy, like step over this. Okay, got it. Yeah. And then you have to climb a wall that's like 40 feet high while they're throwing ninja stars at you. It's just crazy. And the whole time we're running, he's going, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I was like, shut up. I can't breathe. He just kept going. And, and I was like, yeah, he's right. So I'm like, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when you push me over the wall, yeah. <laughs> and it seems silly. But I just wonder what would shift in your life if you began to rehearse that. What would shift in your marriage? It's impossible, Pastor Greg. You have not met my wife. Nope. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. 
just wonder what would shift if we begin to rehearse the word of God and his truth for us rather than the lies of the enemy. Identify, confess, and dismantle. And every time we do that, we remove a brick from the wall of the stronghold in our mind. We dismantle by taking captive our thoughts, replacing it with the word. But can I tell you another way that we do that? Is with the right people in your life. You know how I made it through the Spartan race? Because of Josh Newman and Brent Hurt. Not Shana, because she's competitive and was trying to beat us. She was like, ha, 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 40 miles ahead of us. That's true. She led worship today. Pray for her. It's the right people. Guys, I'm, I, I don't, I'm nothing without the right people in my life. I'm, I'm married to right people. She's pretty awesome. But she's not the only right people in my life. Dan Orakin is another right people. He really is. I got good friends who when I'm down, they pick me up. When I'm discouraged, they hug me. When I'm being a knucklehead, they slap me. If you don't have somebody that can slap you when you're being a knucklehead, you don't have friends. You just have like Instagram likes for your life. Oh, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Your life is in shambles, but you're awesome. Like, like. So crazy, God kind of created you and hardwired you for this. And so he hardwired the church to be that. So there's actually a solution for this. In a few weeks, we start connect groups. It's the bread and butter of the movement church. We just, we say all the time, church happens between Sundays. This is just a party. But life change happens in circles, not rows. And in a few weeks, we're starting it. And if you don't jump on that bandwagon, you, you may be allowing the enemy to continue to build a stronghold in your mind. I'm not saying that you'll find perfect people and it, it, there, there are no challenges. But just start. You can text the word connect to the number you have saved in your phone or what's on the screen. Just check it out. Six weeks. Well, I'm vacationing. Okay, so miss that week. It's going to be amazing. But here's the thing. You and I, we, we have to put on the helmet of salvation. So stop allowing the enemy to win in your life. Identify, confess, and dismantle. How many of you would say, you know what, I need, I need to do some reprogramming in my mind. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you for being honest. Hey, can I pray for us? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's do this. God, we just thank you that you've hardwired us for great things. And that we're not bound by our past or foolish choices. And God, some of us are really struggling through this because we've nursed and rehearsed a poor thought life for so long that it's, it really makes us feel like it's part of our DNA. So I come against that lie of the enemy right now. For those that raised their hands and maybe those that didn't, saying, I want to reprogram my mind in Jesus' name. Everybody look at me for just one second. We're almost done. We do this every week. Because we exist. That everybody who walks through the doors has an opportunity to know God in a real way. Not know religion. Not know 
tradition, but just to know God. He wants to be a radical part of your life. And if you're here today and you've never given him that opportunity, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. My challenge to you would be just to simply repeat that prayer after me. Not that life would get perfect, but you can experience a brand new life. Brand new life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe today you've been running from God and today's the day to come running back, I want to challenge you to pray that prayer with me. You can say it in your heart or whisper it quietly, but I just want you to challenge you, if you've never prayed this prayer, today's the day to do it for the first time, or maybe you're here and you've been running from God, today's the day to do it for the first time in a long time. Just say these simple words, just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me, that you've given me purpose. Forgive me, God, I haven't been perfect. But I want to start a new life with you. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.